Hello and welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And we are still in Kayfabe-tober. This is the list of prompts that we have provided this year. I've been enjoying everybody's artwork so far. If you follow Kayfabe-tober, be sure and tag us in your posts so that we can share some of the best art and uh, everybody can just see each other and what they're doing with all of these. I also want to remind everybody that we have a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. There are three different levels that will get you access to our videos early. And the King Kayfaber level, you will get all of our videos first, as well as sitting in on the recording session. And we have seen books disappear from the aftermarket while we are recording. Uh, we call that the Kayfabe effect. Join at the King Kayfaber level and you'll be the first one buying those books that could disappear or go up in price. And finally, we are a daily YouTube channel. We have about 1,500 videos in our catalog. You can search those on the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube homepage. Look for your favorite book, favorite artist, and uh, see if we haven't covered them already. All right, today we are going to look at something of a superhero classic here. Astro City number one. Uh, this is the dollar reprint edition from Image First, but that makes it easy for everybody to pick this up if you haven't tried it already. I bought this originally when it came out in 1995. You know, I was looking for something outside of Marvel and DC. Kurt Busiak, pretty hot writer in the 90s, and uh, whenever he decided he was going to make his own superhero universe and superhero comic, I was on board for the first batch of these, and uh, very high quality for, you know, a I don't want to say self-published, but for a creator-owned superhero universe driven by a writer, pretty high standards were established from the get-go. So this is a book I read back in 95 and then just recently came across. Uh, I thought I had it still, but I got rid of it in my purge. But I recently picked up this $1 uh, first issue, and I thought, perfect for us to uh, give it a look. We've covered it a little bit in Wizard Magazine. Yeah. We've covered 1995, so figured it was a good time to dip into it. And uh, right off the bat, Alex Ross on the covers... Man, if you're going to do, if you're going to launch a superhero comic book, you could do a lot worse than Alex Ross doing character designs and cover art for you. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, this, is, this is my, and it's a confession, uh, this is my first time reading Astro City, period. This is the first Astro City comic I ever oh, read. When it was coming out, uh, you know, I had was angsty teen. Uh, pretty much done with the image guys really killed my my love sure. of the of the superhero and uh, the only monthly stuff I was grabbing really was uh, from the big two was preacher preacher comics and then at this point ninety five you said uh, I'm starting to grab those complete crumb comics I'm filling in the gaps of my love and rockets collections grabbing eight ball like all of my I would still went to the comic shop every Saturday because uh, you know mom could give me a ride and shit like that. Uh, but was n prejudicial against superheroes because of just the abuses that I received during the breaking of uh, Batman's back and all that stuff that, that's involved with that. Um, that said, I'll scoop stuff up every now and then. And Kurt Busiek is a name that comes up often. Uh, big fan of his work on Untold Tales of Spider-Man. Uh, whenever I see those things out there and those Untold Tales, they retain their value. It cost a dollar then, you can find them in the dollar bins now. Uh, but of all of the mainstream writers of that period of time, and I do not mean to, uh, you know, damn him with faint praise or whatever you want to cynically uh, suggest, but he's he's a, the best writer of, of that, that crew that uh, was sort of gaining prominence in the middle 90s when superhero comics were at the worst. You hear a bunch of names. Kurt Busiek is transcends those guys in my opinion i think he makes fantastic comics i think that sometimes he's bound by his utility players uh so uh, mileage may vary uh, when it comes to the gestalt of the uh, entire comic 
but uh, this was a pleasure to read, and uh, I, I think I think he accomplished everything he he needed with this particular issue. He did a lot of stuff that was really smart at the time too, from a sales point of view. One, you talk about untold tales of Spider-Man. Those were mostly self-contained stories. Maybe they were all self-contained stories. Yeah. At a time whenever so many comics, like you mentioned the Batman breaking the back, is that 20 parts? You know right. what I mean? To try to get, get a story, you're buying all these issues. And Kurt is doing single issues. So you pick it up and get a complete story. And he carried that over into Astro City. And at a time whenever we're still in kind of the damage from image, you know, whatever whatever effect they had in terms of superhero storytelling... Busiak was a guy that I remember was almost like, this is an independent superhero that the, the old timers selling the books at the shops would get behind. Yeah. You know, this is something they would recommend. Yeah, it's true. They wouldn't uh, give you too hard of a time if this is what you were buying. Which also turned me off. Uh, it, it, it had nothing to do with Busiak or the crew. It was the, the old timers like uh, Angsty Teen. I don't want to hear what your grandpa comics are, yeah. are right now, man. So it had that prejudice uh, to me. I, I would call this maybe the best Superman story ever ever written in comics this video is brought to you by the books that we make street angel princess of poverty is my next release from image comics this will be in comic book shops late november you need to pre-order that one now it collects all the street angel comics that are not in street angel deadliest girl alive i am self-publishing and will be selling these on jimrug.com in late october october 26th these go on sale true crime funnies three non-fiction stories 1986 zine celebrating the biggest year in comics history and bw a collection of black and white explosion and self-published titles from the 80s and hulk grand design my contribution to the grand design history is uh basically sold out so pick that one up if you haven't already added it and your short store still has a copy you want to grab that Ed Piscor's Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus, collecting all of the Hip Hop Family Tree, plus 140 extra pages, is now in finer bookstores and comic shops everywhere in one beautiful volume. Add that to your shelf before it's too late. X-Men Grand Design, the trilogy, collecting all three volumes of X-Men Grand Design, will be coming to comic shops in late November. Pre-order that one now. And finally, Ed Piscor's Red Room, Trigger Warnings, and the Antisocial Network are both available wherever you buy books or comics. And a third volume, Crypto Killers, will be out in January. And now back to the video. It's really good, and I did not have a great memory of this first issue from back in the day. Rereading it, I like it so much more now than I remembered liking it. And uh, it'll be interesting to kind of get into some of those details as we go through some of the stuff I respond to. Yeah, as a standalone comic, I think it... Uh, that, that's the greatest function that it serves. It's kind of like how if, if Breaking Bad pilot episode was just a short film, it would be this incredible movie. This is an incredible kind of standalone comic. Uh, I think it accomplished all the stuff that Kurt wanted, but I don't know that it starts off Astro City a series uh, as, as much as maybe he would have liked even. It's interesting to think in a time whenever we are mo were moving to trades, this would have been almost like a collection of short stories as opposed to like the graphic novel, you know, the six-parter that's one big story. Oh, all these issues are self-contained? I Jimmy? believe they are. Okay. I'm pretty sure they are. At least for a while they were. At some point he may may have started doing bigger stories, but I think like at least the first six issues they were like standalones. I Dream of Flying, I swear that's Miracle Man. Oh, yeah. That's the first like page pages of the Miracle Man stuff. Yeah, the, the flight thing is a big piece of superhero comics for sure. Miracle Man, thinking of the first trade title. Uh, you know, that one pops to mind. But I do feel like this is kind of the archetype, too. If you're doing su a Superman character, this is the crux, right? That ability to fly is the thing that, above all else, elevates that experience. Do we got the colorist, do a Steve Buccioletto, doing all the heavy lifting on those clouds, man? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I was even wondering, like, because there you can see some moray patterns in this, and I wondered if that was something from the original, because this is a reprint, and I wonder if that's something that, if things are adjusted 20 years later, whenever this is reprinted, or if that's how the original was, and I just don't have a copy to reference it, but uh, commenters can, can kind of leave something below the video in terms of that. So the other part of the creative team is Brent Anderson. Yeah. And Brent Anderson... I, I really liked his art back in the day. I liked it on this read. And I was trying to think about like, why do I like it? How do I describe it for the sake of this video? And I was thinking of like a more functional storytelling based Neil Adams. You know, it's a it's a little bit, it's it's not as dynamic as Neil Adams, but in some ways the storytelling is very crisp yeah. and uh, very easy to follow. Heck of a figure drawer. And, and very natural compared to, again, the image stuff that I have been moving away from originally at this time in my life you know in the in the mid 90s it was like all right i've seen enough of that kind of hyper stylized uh inking and rendering although there's a lot of rendering here but you it just is a little bit more of a maybe an 80s style it almost feels like this stuff here you don't see it throughout the rest of the book at all but like very much right here explicitly is that jim lee kind of style and it I, you know i almost wonder if that's a little bit of a, a comic uh you know some some inside baseball stuff going on there for yeah. formal play possible and we wake up by the alarm clock you know a familiar trope except it's not the alarm that's going off it's some kind of warning of you know disasters out in the world that he's being alerted to and he being samaritan the uh the superman-esque uh main character for this first issue so you see him waking up at 4:33 in the morning because he's got work to do um, familiar tropes, you know, costume hanging behind a, a painting that he slides to reveal almost something like the closet in Watchmen. You know, everybody, uh, superheroes have to have their their hidden fortress era uh, or um, hidden fortress like spot, right? This is his Batcave. This is his comedian's closet. And uh, he's off to work, man. There were those you get little snippets sometimes from the presidents of the of the United States uh in regards to like how their day is split up and yes. and it is so lean the amount of time that they have for meetings and to do like little uh little um appearances and things like that i mean it could it could be you know 14 minutes for this kind of thing and uh you get glimmers of that here where you know if if he spends a half a second too long doing something that could mean five deaths right somewhere else so uh, it's taking that sort of idea to the extreme. And I've never seen, you know, in up, up to this point, 40, 45, 50 years of uh, Superman's existence, never treated uh, in, uh, Superman comics were never treated in, in that sort of way. That, would, that idea was never explored. But Kurt Busiek is a student of the Silver Age. Uh, he's, he's very much attuned to, to those comics. Uh, so he's able to, it's very interesting because he's an American guy, you know, like very often it's like the Alan Moores who come come far removed from the culture that can like put that little extra spin on it. And I think he did did some amazing stuff here because he's not trying to be Alan Moore or any of those guys like he's he's letting this be a superhero comic, but just there's more thought put into it than you get with, you know, your jobber titles. Yeah. And you see this is a secret identity also working at a newspaper again, the Clark Kent Superman uh, archetype clearly on display here. Yeah, Jimmy Olsen's. But and... to your point of the story, the the time subtext, it is that grim and gritty and realistic treatment. But the story doesn't feel grim and gritty, even right. though it's like 
and I think the time, quite honestly, is something that I respond to now in a way I didn't respond to in 95. Like, I read this and it's like, I've got deadlines. I've got a list of things. I'm trying to do, you know, 28 hours worth of stuff in a day. It felt very relevant, very easy to understand this, except that it's put through the lens of superhero. Right. So so he does, like, he is like a copy editor. So he's like low on the rung. He's, mm-hmm. not, he's not even, you know, investigative journalist or anything. Uh, so in between doing his gig... Like, as he's copy editing stuff, he sort of programs this. It's not so well fleshed out exactly what the powers of this thing exactly are, but it's doing the copy editing for him while he while he's on to more pressing matters. And all throughout this comic, Busick is sowing seeds, man. He's, he's, he's planting some stuff, like the villains and the other superheroes, that he could then flesh out and explore later which is a, a trope of, of a series. You, you want to you build some of that in there so that you have something to lean on when it's time to go to issue number two. And also something for the fans to be like, I want to see more of this character or that character. They look cool, you know? It's, it's, uh, there's a lot here as a first issue in that regard. Yeah, Throwing would, those plates up in the air, so to speak. Yeah, I would say the only thing that, that, that feels like it's missing when you compare this to you know, great episodic dramas or you know, stuff of that nature or even just a great comic series, you know, read any issue one of Stan and Jack's. Uh, I don't, there's not, there's not a story engine here. There's, there's no grand thing that like everything gets wrapped up and tied up in a bun. So you could read it as a singular thing, but it would be nice to have something to kind of propel, uh, to move forward. Uh, I do think that it's good enough, a comic that you just grab issue two anyhow. Yeah, I wonder if there are things like some of these, um, you know, Dr. Saturday, this bio lab problem, if these are things that pop up in subsequent issues. I mean, I'm sure it is. something that's laid out in that way. Yeah. Uh, not an obvious story engine, but, but maybe pieces that would connect. And you know what? I lingered here just to point out, he has this device that's almost like an AI engine, you know, that's going to do his copy editing and stuff for him. And uh, even which errors will go uncaught. And I love this because, like, whenever I was doing kind of faux old coloring or, or some of those effects in past comics, you want to have those errors, you know, you want to make the art, it's the imperfections that sell the lie, so to speak, and it's like, that's a great detail for a writer to put in there, be easy to skip that one, but it gives it some, some texture, you know, some reality. It's when you cheat on your test, right? Like, you got, you got to build in a, a couple bad ones or else uh, the, the, the gig is up, and he even recalls that later on, where he's like, maybe I should program in some more errors. No, no, that would be unfair, like, <laughs> I, need, I need to do the job properly. So... There's a meeting, uh, you know, similar to like a Justice League kind of group called the Honor Guard. They meet in their in their flying ship fortress type thing. Again, easy to imagine many of these characters probably in future issues making appearances and maybe becoming supporting characters as we uh, continue on in the series. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, Alex Ross paintings of this character right there, very regal. And uh, interrupting a robbery with characters in animal masks. I feel like these are taken straight from Batman comics. Like I've seen that trio. It reminded me of like, What's the second the second Batman movie, you know, where like the Joker and they have a robbery in the beginning for some reason this called that to mind, but I think having the masks, like I have a Silver Age comic of that sort where the gangsters would wear those masks on top of regular suits and it feels like an old comics trope. I mean anything with masks is gonna fit in perfectly with a superhero story. Uh coming and going, you know, between his superhero identity and then his daily practices and what he's supposed to get done in here. Yeah, so you see, like he pops in one window, you know, opens the locked door already has all the work done so you know he's he's a tough employee to be around they're they're, they're like you know no locked doors he, uh, he says i work better in solitude uh so he's a good employee but he's also 
annoying to uh, to the people. And I guess he's single, so he gets to look through all the like the the most beautiful ladies of Astro City, single and, and like, lonely, and kind of fantasizing about them. Yeah, and it's one of the sacrifices that he's made in this role as superhero is he do just doesn't have a personal life at all, which again is something that I think of as an older person who works. This makes a lot more sense to me than it did whenever in 1995 I'm starting college. All I'm surrounded by are my peers. You know, it's it's a very different world for me reading this uh, 20 years ago than it is now. And again, you see him in a kind of a uh, just montage of various daily activities of saving all sorts of things. I think I think that the team does a good job with that. You know, just showing a variety of stuff, raising sunken boats, you know, almost like a historical renovations, saving collapsing buildings, and even acknowledges that he doesn't save everybody. You know, people die even while I'm saving lives here, but I can still do what I can. That's a, another one of those sort of great observational notes to me is like, this is a guy who's saving hundreds of lives maybe in a day, can't save everybody. Right. Yeah, that roots it. Yeah, it's, and it's, then, it's and really then, great in a way. Yeah, all this inner monologue you never get with Superman. That's what I was going to say, too. That acknowledgement of, like, saved a bunch of lives but couldn't save them all, it would be true with Superman, but it's never... I don't know that I've ever read that in exactly. a Superman comic. Exactly. Accepts an award from the local fire department and makes a mention of how, like, he didn't do this for a long time, and it started to breed resentment. Right. And so, like, there is value here, even though it'd be interesting. Run that tally of lives saved, because, like it would be going up of lives being lost while he's accepting this award, but it's PR. Yeah, totally, man. And uh, it's it's Busick solving Silver Age problems. Like, you would see this sequence in a Superman comic or somewhere he's getting, you know, the key to the city or something, but it's handled in such a such a smart way. Like, Busick, is a, he's a smarty pants. Yeah, you can really almost reverse engineer how you write a story like this because it feels like you're brainstorming all these different ideas about well what would a superman what would a day be like and coming up with all this stuff and then pulling in the parts that fit your story and, and work the best and I would, there's a lot of uh they, they cover a lot of ground in this issue and and i this feels honest to me like like if it, it makes a lot of sense but i don't think that that's in, in the front of your thoughts when you're right, constructing this story i think i think that you know some of the other stuff you could you could arrive at much easier than this sequence right here trying to try to you know you look at an image of a superman comic where he gets the key to the city and then like trying to figure out like why why would he do that and and come up with something good enough that makes sense in the way that this does i think he you can't do any better and he has his secret fortress of solitude here that kind of goes through a dimensional portal or something yeah it's 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 a it's bret hart's uh, game room that's amazing right yeah. right, <laughs> right he's a, he's a He's marking out, marking out for himself. <laughs> Fantastic. And while he's there, he gets attacked by Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that character sort of resemble that, that, that design a little bit? This character is the living nightmare. Uh, I kind of like the concept. Possibly why I like that concept is we don't spend pages or issues right. establishing this concept. We sum it up very quickly, concisely, and it's easy to understand. You know, it's, it's basically this psychologically powered... Uh, character that that escaped from somewhere or other, but now feeds on that idea. Your worst fears, your nightmares, your depression, whatever emotional state you're in, probably facilitates that emotional state going negative, but then also feeds on that negativity. And so you get your classic superhero fight scene, right? Or Superman's got to have some kind of villain that he's going to face in an issue, or we would feel ripped off like nothing happened. Yeah, still a superhero comic. And he is dispatched, not unlike the Sentinels in the classic uh in the classic new adams uh 
X-Men run where, you know, you just toss them up in, into outer space and uh, it totally works, but you, sh you can't just be doing this all the time, you no, know, like sure. in, in, a, in a comic like this, like uh, I, we, we could give you one, but you got to come up with uh, other ways just to keep the interests up. Very efficient storytelling, too. I think it's about three pages with that nightmare character. Four pages, I guess. So four pages to do, establish the character, have the relatively quick fight, even though it feels kind of big and epic and Samaritan struggles with it, but keep going. You know, in the interest of, hey, we're doing a one-and-done story here, you don't get to spend that much time with your superhero fight, and I don't know that we needed it. I did not read this comic and think I wish I had another couple of pages of Nightmare. Yeah, not at all, man. I mean, I was I was super happy to to read this, and and I'm certainly interested in in checking out more. Absolutely. I wasn't sure what this referred to, so it's past 1 a.m. By the time I get back to my apartment, I tally up the day: 56 seconds, best day since March. And I wonder if that's this travel time, because he often will say like 1.2 seconds to get to the Philippines. You know seven seconds to get here or there and i wonder if that's what that means and it's just a mark of efficiency like i did all of my do-gooding and i only spent 56 seconds on travel time right. so i don't know if that's what it is or not it's kind of that, that's one piece that i wasn't completely sure of and now he's back to his dreams of flying and that's the end one day in the life of our superman-esque character samaritan and pretty good establishment one of the things that we often say when we look at these first issues or look at one issue in a series I'm eager to read more issues. Yeah. I'm very curious, like, okay, that worked well. Let's see what else you do. Cause I don't want to repeat. So, you know, it's kind of been going Astro City on and off for a couple decades now. And I'm curious to see like what else did he do? What other directions did he push? Cause it does feel like within the constraints laid out in issue one, there's a lot of room to play with this. And it was a lot of areas that I can imagine a lot of one-shot issues. Nobody else was making those kinds of comics at the time. Certainly not at a high level. Right. Yeah. And and I, I look forward to reading a, a comic uh, where where the where the character it might be like the you know the Batman esque character. Yeah. And then we've established. I I don't even know who the Batman esque character would be. Just assuming. And uh, we've established the Samaritan issue one. So like to see him play a background role and to have a character maybe have some disdain for him or or uh, there, there's there's a lot of possibilities yeah i think you can tell stories from your villain standpoint uh you can tell stories i mean from, 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 a, from a victim like uh you yes, one, 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 one of those people that passed that was my sister motherfucker i i hate samaritan exactly um Busiak, one of his big claims to fame is marvels and the whole idea there is superhero comics told from non-superhero point of view so lots of directions you could go in astro city and like i said i'm i will be reading more of these um i have a few more in my collection and i do see them in dollar bins so uh yeah, curious to check it out. And I think he released a new series last year that was Astro City. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, still active and playing in that universe. And that's another one that I think indie and self-published and creator-owned superheroes struggle with is they don't have that machine behind them to keep the character going uh, on its own or whenever a writer burns out or does something else. Kurt Busiak's stuck around. So you get some of that history and that development over a couple of decades. For sure, man. You good to go, Jimmy? Yep. Gay favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. Kayfabe-tober is still upon us. These are your prompts for your for your drawings this uh, season. Make sure you add us, make sure you tag us in those images, make sure we see those images, and we are going to uh, share and retweet as many of these uh, as possible. The videos are brought to you 
uh, in part by the patrons, uh, the King Kayfabers on the Patreon get all the videos before anybody else, thus mitigating the Kayfabe effect. We are a daily YouTube channel with more than 1,500 videos at your disposal. We might have talked about some of your favorites, so hit the search field in uh, the front page of the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Search for your favorite comics, check out those episodes, but if we didn't cover your favorite comics, you have to let us know what those comics are so that we can push those uh, titles a little bit higher up on our to-read pile. Ultimately, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make, Jim Rugg and myself. We are uh, working and functioning cartoonists. This is a healthy blend of our bibliography right now, but we're making stuff all the time, and that time is now. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is out in stores. Make sure you scoop this sucker up, man. It's the best book I ever made, collecting all four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree inside of one handy gold foil hardcover with a bunch of new material so even if you got those original volumes there's plenty enough here to justify your purchase x-men grand design trilogy trade paperback is coming to you in november collecting all of my x-men grand design works and uh, some of those volumes are out of print as we speak i'm serializing a daily strip uh that uh is going to be coming out January 1st, 2024. It's called Switchblade Shorties, but if you are on my Patreon, you're going to get early access to uh, those strips. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining the Patreon. I uh, received a whole bunch of feedback uh, in the past uh, week or two. I put out new strips every Tuesday for uh, the early adopters to enjoy. Red Room has been the focus for the past couple of years. Uh, there are two trade paperbacks out there, The Antisocial Network and Trigger Warnings. These are self-contained, uh, these each contain four self-contained stories, so it doesn't matter which one you read first. But there's going to be a, a third volume called Crypto Killers coming out in January that I want to let you guys know about. Man, save 20 bucks from your uh, Christmas and Hanukkah loot and scoop up the uh, Red Room Crypto Killers trade paperback. Jimmy, what do you got on the horizon? Street Angel, Princess of Poverty is my next book coming out from Image Comics. It'll be out in November. You need to pre-order it now at your local comic shop or wherever you buy books or comics. It collects all the Street Angel comics that are not in Deadliest Girl Alive, which is also from Image Comics. They'll make a really nice set on your shelf together. And uh, there's no overlap between the two books. So pick them both up. You'll have all the Street Angel comics. Uh, Hulk Grand Design. This is my contribution to the Grand Design Marvel project. And uh, I believe it's out of print. So if you haven't added it to your shelf already, these copies are disappearing fast. Pick one up while you still can because once it's out of print, no guarantee that it is going to be reprinted anytime soon. And finally, I've been self-publishing lately. True Crime Funnies, three nonfiction stories in there, including two wrestling yarns, the 1986 zine celebrating the greatest year in comics history, and the BW zine celebrating the black and white explosion in self-publishing comics and oddities from the 80s and 90s that I love so much. Those are all going to be available on my website, jimrug.com, October 26th. I do have big quantities, but that is like my holiday fall sale. So if you want to add any of these books to your collection, that is the place to get them, October 26th, jimrug.com. It's imperative that you guys kayfabe affect the books because that keeps uh, the lights on in the uh, the studios. But there are some ways to uh, directly support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, let the people know. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, hats, stickers, and more from our spread shop. That link is also under this video in the show notes. There you have it. Several ways to keep these videos coming to you on a regular basis. Uh, without further ado, Jimmy, please give the people their marching orders and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.